Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Elhamdülillahi Rabbil alemin. Vel akibetül muttakine ve la udvana illa ala zalimin. Ve salavatullahi ve selamuhu ala eşrefel enbiyai vel mursalin. Seyyidina Muhammed ve ala alihi ve sahbihi ecmain. Allahümme la sehla illa ma ce'altehu sehla. Ve ente tecelül hezna iza şeyde sehla. Allahümme a'inna ala zikrika ve şükrika ve husna ibadetika ya Rabbil kerim. Esselamu aleyküm ve rahmetullahi ve barakatuhu. Radio folks. So this uh, week's lesson is a difficult one, but not for the reasons that you may think. Because we are very sad, Diani, about uh, Jose Mourinho being uh, kicked out. Actually, I think in this entire room, there's only one person, and his name is Bobby Jelani, who's upset that Jose Mourinho has been kicked out. The rest of us are jumping for joy. But the difficult part is they both bloody put Ole Gunnar Solskjaer I don't know what happened there, you know. I don't know what happened there. I had, you know what, I was depressed before and then when I heard the news I was even more depressed and then, then, I was saved by a two-second clip. Because I, uh, no, 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 that's not going to, I'm not that petty. I don't care how many goals he scores. I saw a two-second clip of, of something and then I said, you know what, I think he's all right. No. No, no, Cardiff, when he turned around and said, look, we've got a chance. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Exactly that. He's being interviewed by Jeff Shreves, you know, after a Cardiff match. And he goes, I just want to ask you, Oli, um, do you think that Liverpool have got a team that can win the season? He goes, I couldn't care less. and just walked straight off. Just walked straight off the camera. Couldn't care less. And I said, you know what? Maybe he's got it. Maybe he's got it. I never knew he did that. That's a sick guy. So maybe he can keep those boys under manners. So we'll see, innit? Things can only get better. I wanted Mourinho. No, I didn't. Bob's wanted Mourinho. We accepted him. Do we have to find the video clip of Tess Yeah. You can maybe do that. Yeah. I might have said a few things that, you know, I regret in the past. Maybe. 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 By the way, I, I just want you to know, I checked like proper, went in deep dive into Corbyn's lips. He definitely said, said stupid people. Definitely. No, no, it's definitely not woman. It's definitely people. I can't, but what I can't understand is they said, we've got professional lip readers to, even I can see it says people. Because you can see the pa. You can see the, 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 the second. You can't say were with the, with the pa. Were and pa is different. I'm, I'm shocked. Professional, he said, what's that, Burkha or whatever his name is. Here, Berko, 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 whatever. We got professional lip reciters. That's what he said. Readers. No, no. He he said something. Else. Speakers, speakers, professional lip speakers, as opposed to lip readers. And that's his statement. We got professional lip speakers as opposed to lip readers to check. Anyway. Anyway. He shouldn't be dissing Bajime anyway. But I mean, still, right. On a serious one then, there's two serious things. She's not going anywhere, you know. Can you believe Yanni? She was able to get rid of Jose Mourinho before she was able to get rid of herself. That's incredible. That's absolutely incredible. So there's two things. I'm very serious now. The first serious is that we are in a good moment right now because sweets, chocolates is banned. I want you to realize that when we ban chocolate, Ajmal banned himself as well. Yeah, as you can see, he didn't come. I said to him that if you're going to come and bring sweets, then you ban yourself. So he goes, I'm going to ban myself. I said, you make sure you don't come. Especially this week, Yani. Okay. Next week, inshallah, lesson live from Medina. Inshallah. Inshallah. And next lesson after, 
I know that that box that you're holding is not sweets, by the way, Lutz. I know that. I know that because I swear to you, you're going to be walking. You're going to walk right back out that door. It's banned. Sweets are banned, and the people who bring them, they're banned. You didn't get the memo. You didn't get the memo. This is the kind of people we deal with. And then custom. I, don't, I couldn't possibly emphasize anymore. I made it haram. I banned everything, official, whatever. Don't even think about it. Okay. So, next week's lesson live from Medina. Inshallah. Lesson after that, live from Aqsa, Inshallah. Inshallah. Ya Rabb. Inshallah. <laughs> oh, oh, right back here in Cheadle. <laughs> right back here in Cheadle with my tail between my legs. We take it. We take it for the team. I don't mind. But they're not going to strip search me, I'll tell you that much. When they take me to that level, I say, I'm going home, son. So, takallah. Right. Uh, serious one then, like proper serious, like lesson. This is easily going to be the most difficult lesson that I will ever teach in uh, logical progression. All right, uh, easily the most difficult we've done so far. And I cannot see one being more difficult to teach uh, after as well. It's not just the most difficult, it's probably one of the most dangerous as well. All right, it's very, very sensitive matter. Uh, one that the scholars pretty much agreed upon should not be discussed in front of the awam, meaning the basic masses of people because of the sensitivity of its topic material. Sensitivity, why? Because of the way people uh, misunderstand it. Actually, this is, this is, subhanAllah, the scholars before today's time were worried and scared about this subject. What about today's time? Okay, so what do I mean by that? Is that the issue of the Qur'an and its gathering and its differences and its recitations, there's a very kind of romanticized uh, approach to it. Very romantic kind of, very orderly kind of, you know, oh, it's all great, it's all lovely and, you know, it's all straightforward. And you know what? That's no bad thing. For the masses and that's what the masses should continue to believe about these kind of difficult matters but once you go in as a student of knowledge or as a scholar then you will see one of the most contentious issues in the sharia that which has the most differences of opinion about it and how to understand it in the sharia and also real differences and argumentation between the companions themselves and then the tabi'in themselves and then the aimatul fiqh and quran themselves and that hasn't stopped so that enough is a fitna and a reason why it should be kept away from the people. Let alone then that it involves the kalam of Allah, the word of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Quran. And then of course it becomes a aqdi issue. It becomes an issue of aqidah. And of course throughout our early history, there were people out there that wanted to make the words, the work, make the, uh, uh, whether advertently or inadvertently, willingly or unwillingly, they wanted to equate the words of Allah with the, created word, yani that it's just another part of his creation, it's not something which is purely from him. So they removed divinity from it and they just made it from another part of his creations, from his creations. And so the word of Allah has always been sensitive theologically. The people of philosophy and the people of bid'ah, they went and they took that route where they said that the word of Allah is created. Whereas the imams of Ahlul Sunnah, they became known as the heroes of Ahlul Sunnah and they preserved our identity today because they stood up against this, this uh, belief. It will, be the, it will be the similar kind of way to imams today standing up to 
uh, various deviation or to the deviant rulers or to you know secularism and feminism and humanism and they and they are either killed in that way or they lose everything in that way but they make sure that the Muslims are safe from that these people will be remembered not now but years later okay and so there are always major threats by the way I, I, on a serious opinion on a, on a serious note on a on a genuine serious note Muhammad bin Hanbal of course he's a great Imam for other reasons which makes this example very poor because he's an imam in fiqh and he's an imam in hadith especially and he's an imam in taqwa and whatever before and an imam in aqidah before any of the superstar status that he received and then he became a superstar because he was physically uh, tortured over him making sure that he would not allow the ummah to go away with the idea that the quran has been created all right so that took him to a next level i want you to know today that uh, today's quran is created is humanism, is liberalism, is feminism, is secularism, is every ism that is using the intellectual and ideological freedom that we have today as, as citizens of the West and now increasingly the, the East as well, to be able to overthink their own identity, overthink their own individuality and start to believe that they have a right to actually speak in matters that Allah has already spoken. That's essentially what it boils down to. It doesn't matter what you choose to be, whether you try to practice a cultural Islam or patriarchy or misogyny or feminism or secularism or whatever it is, you are basically saying that I have the right to speak about something that Allah has already spoken about because I am now free. It's the age of freedom. It's the age of uh, a humanist uh, approach to, to, to human beings that they should be given the right to and, 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 and. And this has gone to such a politicized and now a social level that it is the great fitna of our time. And the people who stand up against the tide of populism and against political pressure, they will be remembered in the next 500 years and so on, like the imams of previously. So I just want you to be aware of that. Now back to the issue of the Quran. The real problem now, of course, is that when back then the scholars were warning that, you know, just keep it simple and don't confuse the masses and just keep it, Yanni, you know, to a nice and easy kind of way of understanding it. They were worried about A, confusing people, and B, Walaikum Salaam. You see, he threw me. You want to go back. You want to go right. You come near me, I swear to you, I'm going to stab you. Give me a knife. Get away from me. Get away from me. No congratulations. No, no, no. For getting ready. Get this away. All this is haram. I t I t I t so Cardiff down. It's a great signing. <laughs> Liverpool fan, you know what I hate? This is Liverpool fans. I don't know what Liverpool fans should be commiserating more than anyone else. What? Because you know this is the end of Liverpool's Yanni domination. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> this is a serious thingy, by the way. We're right in the middle of the most serious thing ever, you and you bought and you bought this haram. You bought a man or no? Yeah, like, a Yeah, no, from mold. Mold. As, 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 as Lineker said, we've, we've taken option Norway Plus, which is perfection. This guy, by the way, Lineker, is no ordinary presenter. He's a genius, you know that. Very clever guy. Anyway. <laughs> so, the issue that we have is that not only back then we had the original problem of confusing people and then making people doubt, am I reading the word of Allah or not? Is it really protected or not? Has Allah made hifs of it or not? So that was the original reason that people were told stay away from this. But now you have people who are actively trying to perpetuate yani, the differences here 
to get people away from the idea that there is something that is divine and that Islam is a true religion. These are known as the Orientalists, okay? Today we'd call them the Islamophobes. That's very lazy, of course. In academia, not everyone's an Islamophobe. In academia, uh, Orientalists or scholars of the religions and scholars of Islam that are non-Muslim, they have a real desire to academically scrutinize uh, religions, traditions, their, their basis, their foundations. Some of them have good intentions, some of them have bad intentions, some of them have neutral intentions and they're willing to just go at it and apply rules of logic. Now, the great thing, of course, the great saving grace is that whatever happens yani, when you learn or see or come across a riwayat which make you yani, shudder or make you yani, confused, the great thing is, is that there is no logical explanation for the effect that the Quran has upon the heart. And there's no logical explanation for the way that every single Muslim knows that this is the truth, regardless of whatever difficulty a person theologically gets into or academically. This is not necessarily an academic argument. It's not the one that you put forward, but we all know and we all have to accept this point that whether you do accept this at the beginning of this lesson or at the end of this lesson, a lot of times we will never be able to explain things in Islam. And that's why we've been given the sajda and obligated to make the sajda. And when you make that sajda, everything suddenly makes sense. You realize, you know what? I was never meant to understand this. You know what? I was given a pea-sized brain, okay? A pea-sized brain in a world where knowledge is yani, beyond count from and created by the owner of unlimited infinite knowledge. And so that humbling part is very, very important. Still, that doesn't mean that students of knowledge here, us, okay, need to be mature and try to understand yani, this subject and try to get around it and understand it in the best possible way. So I'm going to tell a story. Tell a story of the Quran and how it was gathered and what happened and 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 try to kind of yani, keep it as as uh, as not simple as possible, but try to un make you appreciate where the problem occurs. Okay, and I do want I want you to understand as Sheikh Uthameen is going to mention a little bit later, the reason that you don't uh, say this to the people is mostly because when you say a word or a statement, you don't have the opportunity of a one-hour lesson to explain. Okay. And that's something which the tulab al-ilm have two advantages over the others. Not because they're necessarily better, but because they're going to sit through the one-hour explanation, which the masses won't. And number two, because they already have a working experience of knowing that there's always differences of opinion. There's always differences of opinion. These two are saving factors. Okay, so that length, that, that, that ability of understanding difference of opinion, which is what you get when you study, and two, the amount of time that you put in. So these are two, so by, by definition, these are two blessed ventures that all Muslims should take all the time. Understanding difference of opinion and spending time studying. The masses, they have great intentions, but they don't commit the time and they don't have the depth. Yani they don't, their horizons are, not, horizons are not broad enough. The Quran is the word of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And um, the, the, the scholars gave different kind of, you know, convenient kind of explanations for it. How do I actually uh, 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 encompass it into just a little kind of phrase? Is it, do I say that it is that which was recited to Muhammad sallallahu in Arabic from, uh, that, be, that begins with Al-Fatiha, that ends with Al-Nas? These the definitions are not really important. We understand what the Quran is. These little differences that will say in Arabic or not in Arabic, in the dialect of the Quraysh, in the, not the dialect of the Quraysh, in yani, uh, uh, checked by Jibreel, revealed by Allah. It's obviously revealed by Allah. Jibreel is the obvious, yani, uh, 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 medium, but not all the time. 
not all the time directly anyway. Sometimes it came to the Prophet ﷺ when he was alone and it came upon him, yani the wahi, and it would be shaking him. Yani the nature of Jibreel ﷺ in that particular aspect, how do we don't know? Yani it's his direct involvement. So the little differences between the definition of the Quran is something uh, uh, simple. What do we know though? That the Quran started to get revealed in Mecca. That's very important because when the Quran was revealed in Mecca, it was revealed in a common, straightforward, easy to understand dialect. And that was the dialect of the Quraysh. What does it mean, dialect? You know, just like in England, when we are speaking, all right, and you can be from different parts of the country, it's sometimes very difficult to understand what the other person is saying, right? So if I'm speaking to someone, for example, with a Scottish accent, but he's a bit posh, that's different from a Scottish working class accent, all right? Let alone the difference between Glasgow and Edinburgh, let alone Yanni, Northern Ireland, Ireland. So there's issue of class, there's issue of, and I mean upper class, middle class, blah, blah, blah. There's level of education, which is separate from class, okay? And then there's an issue of accent. Then there's the issue of variations of the language itself. The variations of the language itself is a fourth independent factor of a spoken language. And by the way, I'm speaking unscientifically. So if I was, you know, if I had studied this, I could probably give 10 reasons why people differ and misunderstand each other in speech. But if you just look at it, for example, obviously I, I can't do accents, but if a, if, a, if a person, if a Scottish person says, I cannot in a Scottish accent, and he goes, I cannot, right? With a, with a C-A-N-N-A-E, right? Which is also indicating cannot but he takes off the whatever. Canna is the working class version of saying cannot. Uh, I cannot see that happening, all right? So the uh, O-T, N-O-T is completely uh, uh, replaced with N-A-E. So not only a different word, a different accent, but then a different, uh, maybe a different uh, intonation as well, etc., etc. So be aware that every single language has a huge amount of variation when you listen to it. So first of all, you should not be surprised when we say that the Quran was revealed to Muhammad in the first instance in a very clear Qurashi dialect. Okay? And this in Arabic is called harf. And harf, as we know, in Arabic is called a letter, and ahruf means letters. But this word, when it comes to the Quran, uh, in terms of the science of revelation, not the science of reading, because of course when it's the science of Quranic reading, harf means letter, okay? But in the, in, the, in, the, in the science of Quran revelation, harf means, it doesn't mean dialect in my opinion. In my opinion, it means style. I'm going to now, from now on, use the word style. But I had to go through the dialect example because I would not have been able to explain. So if I say, I speak English in a different style to a Glaswegian working class person, immediately you should, you should say, well, that will at least encompass five different forms of change. Dialectal change, accent change, word change. Yani some, uh, like, uh, uh, w w how do they do it in uh, Yorkshire? I went down road, yeah? How, what do they swallow? The. Yeah, I went down the road. Yeah, yeah. So just that's just just here. That's like 50 miles away, 30 miles away. We have people who completely do not use the word the, right? But it's super clear when they say I went down road. Yeah, that they mean I went down the road. So uh, that's just within a country. What about then if we start to increase it? What about if we start to, for example, a French English accent 
on American English accent. So then start to put in culture. And, and, and then what about if we start to have different spellings, like color, American, and color of the U, UK. And then what about if, and, 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 and what about if we start to disagree about whether a word is English in the first place? Today I, today I, uh, 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 I saw that, um, what, what, what did they say? Uh, anyway, it's, it's irrelevant. But yani, English, people, people don't realize that English itself has so much depth and difference of opinion on where words actually come from. Right? The etymology, as we say, of where a word actually originates. What is it based upon? Why do they say dot the I's, for example, and cross the T's? I think that the I, you know when you say dot the I and cross the T's, what does that mean when someone says that to you? When someone says, have you dot, you know, uh, no, what you, how would you use that in a sentence? Yeah, would you say that? Would you say that? Have you dotted the I's and crossed the T's, yeah? Okay, so then what's the, what the person meaning by that? Complete or finish? So if you look into it, sorry? Thorough. It's accuracy. And uh, I, I was looking at that phrase today, and in, in the etymology, the, uh, the, there's a word... And I forgot what it's called now because I just read it very quickly. The dot, we call it a dot on an I, but it's actually got a word, right? And I can't remember what it's called. Something, whatever. But that, that word itself, that, 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 that word for that word, uh, thingy, uh, for the dot that goes on top of the I, was a statement that in itself indicates absolute confirming 100% accuracy. So the crossing of the T was a making sure that actually in, uh, in kind of, you know, whatever writing, uh, uh, loose writing, you don't really need to put the line across the T. People can see that it's a T from the structure of the word. But by doing it, you remove all doubt. With the I, even more so. A little I, very difficult to doubt there's something else, but then you stick a, a, a dot on it. It's not very important if you do or not. Doing it, though, increases the, the chances of, 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 of certainty on the, on the concept. So uh, I want you to appreciate that just normally here in our own English uh, 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 framework, we can see so much space for difference. Right. So what then of Arabic, a more ancient language, more rural people, more simple, blah, blah, blah. Yani, you, can, you, can, you can keep going on and on. So the Qurashi dialect was definitely a way of speaking, a way of style, a way of accent, certain words yani, as opposed to other words that we don't, that, that we don't use. Okay? Um, you know, even for example, uh, like the difference between Urdu and Punjabi, for example, and how you refer to uh, your auntie. Is there a difference? Your auntie or your uncle, you know, common words. What's the most common word you can think of in which there's different from Urdu to Punjabi? Common word. How are you? Okay. No, no, no. no. And without going colloquial, without Yani going to class, I mean just from a language point of view. Like, I don't know. Are all the words for auntie, grandfather, brother in law? The, the uh, sister-in-law, are they the same between Urdu and Punjabi? Gari and Gaddi. Gari is... Ka, ka. Gaddi is Urdu. Ka, ka, no? Gari and Gaddi. Yeah, okay, maybe. Uh, in fact, we'll just use that example there. This is from a same place, same location, same country, same people, ethnicity, everything, whatever. They're using completely different words. 
Okay, completely different word. And so therefore, the Qurashi also used to have words that used to prefer in use. And if you're trying to uh, explain something and you were to use one word instead of the other, you would actually cause a little bit of difficulty and hesitation. Is that clear? Have we created that yani, paradigm in your minds? The second stage of the Qur'an is then the Prophet ﷺ moving to Medina. It is absolutely of no doubt whatsoever that the first hadith which causes all this problem happened after the Hijrah. That is the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ in Bukhari where he said that this Qur'an was revealed in seven styles. Okay, the Ahruf or Al-Ahruf al-Sab'ah. The seven styles. Now these seven styles is a statement said by the Prophet ﷺ and nothing further mentioned. So it's been left exactly as it is. And that is either a very positive thing, if you look at it from my point of view, or it can be a very problematic thing if you look at it from the, yani, the development of historical yani, situation. Okay, how it has happened and the, and the confusion is caused. You'll say, all right, What's that got to do with what happened? Well, you, you know what happened. First of all, the surrounding tribes came in that were non-Qurashi. They came into uh, 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 further contact geographically into Medi from Medina. Then you got new Muslims coming in from different tribes. You got different Arabs coming from outside, so from Yemen and from Sham and from X and from Y. They're all coming in. And now they're all part of this process of the Qur'an revelation. And the Prophet ﷺ himself is now reciting the Qur'an. And it is clear that some of these ways that he is reciting because it has never been authentically, and this is his first controversial statement, never been, ne never been absolutely confirmed that the Prophet ﷺ ever recited anything other than in the Qurashi Harf. So, you know, I told Sheikh Abdul Ghaffar to, to sit through this lesson as a sanity check, number one, but as number two, because he is a, a specialist in the Quran. And one thing that you're going to re learn in this class is that speciality is a very real thing, right? It's like yani, uh, uh, a lot of people you know, expect their scholars and their teachers to be yani, proficient and scholars in everything. But in actual fact, you're going to realize right now as we start getting into depth of things that even our classic imams would put their hands up and say, you know what, this is where we stop and this is where we kind of you know, specialize in. So for example, imala. Okay? Uh, imala is a, uh, I don't even know how to say that in English. Um, imala is an intonation, okay? Um, a, a, a varying of intonation in a word. So, ta-he, for example. Imal al-kubra and al-sughra. Sheikh Abdul Ghaffar, give us some examples. So give us, yani, ubiduni imala, and then give us a sughra, and then give us a kubra. Loudly, Sheikh. For example, So just repeat the sound. Yes. Loud and make it long with a med so yes. that people can see the A yes. and A uh, yes. sound difference. 
Fluke, for example, Hafsa and Asim have got one. So this is no Imala. This is like you would, like, for the sake of argument, this is not a technical statement. Yes. This would be Qurashi dialect, yes. standard Arabic. Fadl. Yes. That's, that's, that's a lazim, even in Hafs, but yes. uh, don't use that example. Okay. Use a, a, a normal mad. Okay. Bidun imala. Mad adi. Yeah, adi, adi. Like ja'a. Sada, okay. Now, obviously, the irony, I don't know who I was doing this with, I think it was Umrah group, or I don't know who it was with, that the irony, of course, is that even this is not free of uh, 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 confusion because, you know, as Pax, they say, you know, or, or you know, Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen. You know, they sound like they've got yani, balls in their mouth. Yani, Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahim, Maliki, Omidin. Yeah. And then you've got the other extreme, which is the Egyptians, right? And they like, they, and I'm talking normal med. Oh, yeah, I was using the example of Iman. The name Iman, sorry, Iman. So the name Iman. Pakistanis will go, Imana. Oh, Imana. Huh? Iman. Yeah? Thick, Mufakham, we say. Thick, yeah, and the Egyptians got Iman. Iman. Yeah, Iman. It's the exact opposite on the base scale. So you've got base, and then the, so the base has been turned off, and we've got full on treble. Yes? So Iman, eh, and then you've got oh, Iman. Eh. And then you got like the Saudis, like in the middle, they would say Iman. Just from an accent point of view. And this is by the way, is not got involved in the, the, the science yet. So that's just an accent issue. So we're not talking, we're not saying that the Egyptians are doing Imala. When the Egyptians got Iman, they're not trying to do Imala. They're just actually, that's their accent. They are very muraqqat in their uh, speaking. They got high pitched and packs because they don't even know the Tajweed if it hit them on the head. Okay. Then theirs is like, yani, Iman, uh, 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 uh. Yeah? So that's before we have. So I want you to not get confused by these accent changes. So you've got the normal, ja, okay, ja. Now with a taqlil shwayani with the imala? Yeah. Louder? Yeah. You see that a sound? A, a, okay? And then hardcore, what we call imalatul kubara, which is heavy intonation, strong, it's a very different sound. Okay, that's a very different sound. So I put now to Sheikh Abdul Ghaffar, I put that it has never been narrated in the Sahih that a Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam ever said this sound. Do you understand what I mean? Yes, yes. Okay, do you agree? Yes. Okay. And if the Prophet ﷺ never said this sound from a hadith point of view, mm -hmm. then where did this sound come from? Mm -hmm. And the Qur'a that will use it, mm -hmm. okay, they will say it came directly from the companions themselves mm -hmm. in recitation. This, there's no doubt about. Mm -hmm. There's no doubt about. Because we're going to get to this, Yani, uh, in this lesson. How do we understand Nani Riwayat? But I want you to appreciate that from a from a text, from an Arabic text, ja, okay, you can't see imala from a text. If you see the alif of after jim, okay, it doesn't say do imala of me. You have to know, you have to be taught that this is recited with imala. Yeah. There's no sign. Yeah, today, today, they'll put a little diamond on it. Yes. Or they'll use. Sometimes it's dot. 
They or some will use a very thick dot underneath. Yeah, and I think we had this lesson before, yeah. and I told you guys that dots, first of all, yeah, and when it comes to the development, the development of dots or what we call diacritical marks when it comes upon the, the Quranic text, this is something which didn't even exist in the first 50, 60 years of the Hijrah, okay, in the early, early years when we're all going to start talking about Abu Bakr and Umar and Uthman and all these Musahif, none of these Mus'hafs had any nuqat, dots. So it's just the most weirdest looking thing. It's just lines like this. And it's the nightmare trying to work out what's going on. Imagine, people today, they're having a heart attack if they get an Arabic thing without any uh, tashkil, right? They say, where's the Zabar and Zirgon? Where's the Fatha? Where's the Dhamma? We're saying, Habibi, we didn't even know the difference between a Ba, Ya, and a Ta. Why are we going to work out which one it is and people are worried about Zadamma or Kasra or whatever. So appreciate that you have a text which is so pure. And I'm putting to you that even that text in its simplicity, it's still... Now, at least, I'm jumping ahead because I, just, I don't want to take Sheikh Abdul Ghaffar's time. But I'm jumping ahead because... If you look at this, if I give you such a skeletal framework that can take, there's so many different variations, right? So if I give you a skeletal text, but obviously it's still a text, I haven't given you a blank page, have I? I haven't given you the first letter and the last letter and say fill in the, the words or the letters in between. No, I give you a full beginning and a full end. So the intention of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is very clear what it's meant to be. But then I allow for certain variations to be able to, at least to the mind of is it a ta or is it a ya or is it a ba? Then that's obviously opening up the issue. Okay, it's opening up the possibility for variations. Intentionally, of course. If I then say to you that by removing these kasra fatha dhamma, I'm opening up options. And take away the dots, I'm opening up options. If I'm saying to you that there's no way of even knowing when you are able to read it, what the intonation is meant to be, that imala should be there or shouldn't be there, I'm also opening up options. And if the only way that we can put these options in is through a verbal recitation, an oral one, that different people are actually reciting of the same skeletal text, you can now see that the text is going to be open up to some difference of opinion or difference of a narration or difference of recording and now you're going now you understand the roots of what's about to happen is that clear so i want you to understand now with the mushaf now uh, 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 with the Quran, sorry, now being recited, the Prophet ﷺ then sa says this big statement that the Quran has been recite, uh, re sent down in seven ahruf, seven letters, seven harfs. I think there are 40 different opinions of the scholars. What does harf mean? 40. And some said 50 and something, whatever. Does it mean the, se the seven recite, the seven qira'at that we hear today? Is that what it means? Does it mean seven styles? Does it mean seven dialects? Does it mean seven accents? Does it mean seven this, seven that? And as you go, like the early scholars, like Ibn Hajar, and like all the big scholars throughout history, throughout history, yeah, have been through, right, uh, have been through this issue, they reject each different option based upon different uh, 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 hadith, different evidences. It's as vigorous a debate as, as, as there ever could be. The most famous uh, hadith in this matter is the argument that occurred between Umar ibn Khattab and Hisham. Uh, Hisham who? Hisham ibn Hakim, I think, ibn Hizam. 
I've forgotten the other companions, subhanAllah. But anyway, both are Qurashi. Both are Qurashi. Both are Qurashites. Alright, as the, as the Orientalists would say. They are both from the Quraysh. Therefore, they have the same dialect. Right? And you all know that he was listening to him recite Surah Furqan. Okay? He's reciting Surah Furqan. This is the Hadith Sahih Bukhari. And suddenly, yani, uh, Hisham. Well, I should find the Hadith. Wallah. What is that? Hisham? Ibn Hakim. So, uh, so Hisham is reciting. And he recites. And Umar is like, he's shocked. He goes, huh? That's, I, I, I learned this surah specifically, all right, which is another proof, by the way, that the companions did not all learn all of the Qur'an from the mouth of the Prophet That's something very important as well. Most of the companions only, like Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, he said, I took 78, 72, 70-something surahs from the mouth of the Prophet which indicates that the gaps that are filled up from other companions and other bits and pieces here and there and written and whatever, whatnot. So I want you to understand this Quran is a very much living, evolving process. So Umar, the reason he's so shocked, he goes, well, this is actually one of the ones I learned from the Prophet I learned this one from the... And it's definitely not like what you just recite. Now, if this was a different in accent, okay, how can that be? They're both from the same Quraysh. Is it from the uh, different in Arabic or style? They're from the same... What, he went and he, he was very angry. So he grabbed him by his neck yani, and pulled him to the Prophet Sallallahu He goes, you are going to come with me. And he brought him to the Prophet Sallallahu And he goes, you recite. And Prophet Sallallahu says, whoa, whoa, what's happening here? And he goes, listen, you know, he's reciting something different, yani, blah, blah. And so the Prophet Sallallahu said, okay, you recite. So Umar recited. Then he goes, Yisham, you recite. And he recited. And the Prophet Sallallahu said, this is how you recite it is the way the Quran was revealed. And the way that you have recited is the way the Qur'an was revealed. And this Qur'an was revealed in seven harf. Now that is where the situation becomes difficult. What was the difference? We do not have a qata'i, definitive hadith or evidence that says to us what the actual difference was. Now, some of you might say it's a disaster. Some of you might say it's a blessing. That blessing allows us to not get stressed about this issue today. Yani what, now I'm going to put it to you. What could be the safest, Nadia, this way, round. Yep. Uh, what's the safest possible position and what's the most difficult yani, interpretation? The safest would be yani, Scottish accent, Brahmi accent, right? That would be the safest and easiest and people would not get stressed over that. They'd say, well, they just didn't understand what they were saying. But it's the same Arabic, the same words, the same whatever, whatnot. What's the worst it could be? Different words. Agreed? A different word, or no, no, that's not the worst. A different sentence, completely. Like maybe the first word is the same, and the last word to make it indicating that it is part of Furqan, but the entire content of the sentence is different. So I want you to know that that never happened. It was never accepted, and it was never the case. It, and so just like this extreme is not possible that it was a different sentence or a different meaning in totality, there's no doubt it wasn't that because the Prophet ﷺ could not possibly have allowed that to happen without explaining it, without explaining, because he's obligated to explain this deen, that which is absolutely essential to its understanding. And we know that the other thing, making it too simple and too light and easygoing, which is a different accent, it can't be that either. It can't be dialect either. So it is clear that it is something not so serious, but also yani serious. Do you get my point? That the difference between them that was being said was enough to cause anger, it was enough to not be the same dialect, and it could be, for example, and I'll just give you some random examples, 
when an alif that is meant to be at the end of a word is pushed to the beginning of the next word. Right? So for example, وَاللَّيْلِ إِذَا إِذَا دَبَر وَاللَّيْلِ إِذَا دَبَر And as we all know it, وَاللَّيْلِ إِذْ أَدَّبَر So, إِذْ Okay, Alif Dal. Right? Alif Dal. Idh. And you stop. And then you have Alif Dal Ad Bara. Okay? So when the night turns, okay? And Wallayli is Adbar. What if I take this Alif? Remember, by the way, we're writing with no Tashkil, no nothing. We just got Arabic text. What if I take this Alif and my, by the way, I'm not, I'm not good at line spacing. You know how people sometimes are. You just see a continuous flow of words. You know how people handwrite. And there is no line spacing. You've got to put the line spacing in. So it's all one flow of words. You know, like, for example, when your Arabic text doesn't work in your word and you just got letters. And you look at it and try to work out what's going on. Yeah, because they're not been joined nicely. But you can still read it. Anyone who reads Arabic can still work out what's going on. But it's a mission. And that is at that point where you will put the alif instead of there, you put it here. So if I nick the alif from adver and I add it to is, it becomes iza dabar. Which amazingly doesn't change the meaning so much either. I don't want to use this as a cheap example because I want to, I want to go full hog. I want to say yani, uh, that even if there was a complete different word, for, for, for example, فَتَبَيَّنُوا and فَتَثَبَّتُوا فَتَبَيَّنُوا and تَثَبَّتُوا are two completely different words. When you look at it and you think, my goodness, how can two whole different words? I thought the differences between the Qur'at were very minor, only in little bits of, you know, this, that. In actual fact, it can be so significant that it's a completely different word. But then a person could come back and argue, actually, if you look at it, فَتَثَبَّتُوا فَتَثَبَّتَ فَتَثَبَّتَ there are, these are all letters, which is فَتَبَيَّنَ Which what is, uh, what, what, what did I just explain to you? If you play, uh, take all the nuqat off, they look exactly the same. فَتَبَيَّنُ and فَتَثَبَّتُ If you naked them, they look exactly the same. And now if we start putting dots in one way and put dots in the other way, we get two different words. So you can see, therefore, that even in this, uh, even in our our tradition, we've got this flexibility for the wordings to be different. Okay. Now you might say, well, if it, if it stayed there, then it would be good enough. But I think there is something more than that. And that's where it gets really controversial. Okay. I think it's something more than that, meaning that I believe that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed these seven uh, styles of the Quran, including possible variation in word, to make it easy for the people to make it easy for the tribes, to make it easy for them to you know, get the main job done, which is to develop a connection with the Book of Allah, to memorize it and to teach it. And to not allow the initial kind of difficult pronunciation issues, i'rab issues, the, the development yani, of the tongue. For example, when the ta or the dal yani, uh, becomes too difficult to recite and so it becomes swallowed in, where it's a, what's an example of a letter where it's difficult to stop on and then we want to change it, yani, to... Uh, no, not, not idram, is, idram is a natural connection of flow. 
I mean, for example, where we change. No. Ya salihu. Yeah, ya salihu. Itina. Okay. And. Ya salihu. Itina. Okay. These are all riwayat as sahiha There is also shadha. Ya salihitina. Yeah. Ya salihu. Right? It's easy because I'm not reciting. I'm just reading. Ya salihu i'tina. Sheikh, iqra al-ayah, no smahd. Okay. Sheikh, so I that. Ya salihu i'tina. You'll take a couple of goes to get that right. To make the ha, yani go onto a hamza. Ya salihu i'tina. Okay. But if a person has not practiced that, that's hard work. Hamza is always hard work. In the Arabic language, when you see the big difference, for example, between the riwayah of Warsh or the Qira'ah of Nafi' and the Qira'ah of uh, Asim, okay, as we're going to come to in, in a minute, okay, these two major Imams, they are the two biggest Imams, and, and it's represented in the world today. The vast majority of the world recites according to the recitation of Asim, according to the riwayah or the narration of Hafs. That's all the Mus'hafs that you have, the Arabs, the Paks, the South Africans, the, everyone that you know, 90x percent of the world. Then the, 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 the significant minority, 5-10%, whatever it is, they recite the riwayah, the, the qira'ah of Nafi'. The recitation of Nafi' according to the, the riwayah or the narration of Warsh. And if you were to say, what's the major difference between the two? The major difference is the removal of the Hamzas. Okay, all of the Hamzas that can be grammatically removed because it's Hamzatul Wasal, you're finding that it is, and therefore, to recite in Warsh is a lot easier than to recite in Hafs. Are they scared, Sheikh? No, I'm talking about yani, Surah, yani, because you're not having to stop. No, no. But hard for technical reasons yes. in certain points. Yes, yes. Technical reasons in certain points. I mean, yani, if you look at the removal of the Hamza yes. in certain parts of words, yani, just from your own, just from your own, like if I said, if I said to you, Ya saluhitina, and I say, I say, Ya saluhitina, if I, you know, this is called the glottal stop, isn't it? Yeah, in English we call it the glottal stop. The glottal stop is difficult even for English people. Even in English, people to find yani to say uh, 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 at the end of every single word and at the beginning of the next one, it's, it causes difficulty, and you want it to flow. So to remove remove those hamzas makes it easy. And there's many examples of that in the Quran as well. But I want you to know that all those that you're happy with, because everyone's happy with it. Everyone's happy with idgham and the noon being swallowed up and the meme being swallowed up and the ba being swallowed up and the lamb being swallowed up, and it converts to a dal and it converts. When you study tajweed, you just take it on as if it's you know standard and normal. But in actual fact, what you're admitting and accepting is fundamental changes to the Quranic Arabic text because of wanting to make it sound easier. And the reason you're getting away with it is because the scholars have, have allowed you, and the reason that the scholars allowed you is because they narrated that from the companions. So you've got very real variation upon the letters and the, 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 the diacritical marks of the Mus'haf. And so effectively, to rush things up, the Prophet ﷺ, he now starts and accepts the people who are reciting, and I'm not gonna go into the, the, the very, very detailed analysis of this where there's even possibilities for statements in Sahat, yani, Athar, 
in which even bil ma'ana, even the qira'a bil ma'ana, yani athim. For example, there's a riwayah of Ibn Mas'ud where he would say al athim, al athim. Someone he kept saying to Azim, Azim, and he kept saying athim, athim, athim. Then he goes, okay, khalas, athim. There are some riwayat like that which yani, you blow your mind, actually. If you see, like, you can imagine, uh, uh, I don't know who I said this to, maybe in Fiqh Salah, where I explained when, when if, you're, if you're behind a person, Sheikh Saleh al-Sheikh, of course, who's not, yani, as respected as he, is, as he is now, 10, 15 years ago, he was a don now, obviously, people don't like him so much because of his closeness to the government, the Saudi government, but he's a bona fide scholar, bona fide top scholar. I remember listening to his lecture, and he was saying that when you make fatha yani, upon a person behind, and you, you know, your, your, your imam makes a mistake, okay? And everybody knows about imam making a mistake of God to correct them, or God to correct them, yeah? Because it's the word of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and you can't get away with the you saying that, okay? So he was saying that it's not obligatory to correct an imam, especially in places where the meaning is mutaqarib. So for example, inna allaha ma'as-sabirin, and it should be inna allaha ma'al-muttaqeen. And he said, al-muttaqeen and al-sabirin, because they are close, it does not, yani, you are not obligated to correct it. That's from a statement, by the way, from someone who, if he heard me saying what I'm saying right now, he would say, you are upon kufr, by the way. Definitely, he would, he would, he's a proper traditionalist. And that is his statement, okay, that a person does not need to change, they're not obligated, because in this scenario, the, it is sunnah only to recite surah, and it's not from the fundamental of the salah, and the meaning is whatever, and the, the sanctity of the prayer is so huge, and you're about to speak out in the prayer, is going to cause a level of tashwish, which is bigger than the issue of mutaqarib to, you know what I'm saying? What Shaykh Salah Shaykh is saying is bigger than there's a multiple complex issue decision here. When a person's about to speak out, he's doing something that's not allowed. Not allowed to speak in the salah. Not allowed to speak loudly in the salah. Not allowed to disturb people in the salah. Now, obviously, you're going to go override that, override that, override that. And if you're overriding things like that, haram, 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 it better be a good reason. Yeah? It better be a good reason. He said the good reason is if the person changed the ma'ana significantly. Yeah, and he changed the ma'ana completely. Now, obviously, it can be as a subjective thingy because patient and God-fearing, you could argue is very different or you could argue is actually identical. It depends upon context. Yeah? So he, I just want you to be aware that there is a concept out there that there was some understanding that maybe even it's possible that these seven recitations allowed even some of the recitation of the companions to be different in wording significantly. Significantly. The Prophet yani whilst he's reciting this Qur'an, not all of the companions memorized it, okay? Not all of the companions memorized it. We know that, um, let's, uh, let's now just actually, instead of me reading from memory, why don't I start to yani, quote some stuff, okay? For example, we know for a fact that when it came to uh, those that uh, memorized it from the companions, Talha, he uh, memorized it. Sa'ad uh, ibn Abu Waqqas, ibn Mas'ud, Hudayfa. Salim Mawla Abi Hudayfa, Abu Huraira, Ibn Umar, Ibn Abbas, Amr um, ibn Al-As, Abdullah ibn Amr Al-As, Abdullah Muawiyah, Ibn Zubair, Aisha, Hafsa, Um Salama, and at least three of the Khulafa al-Rashidin. He says Abu Bakr al-Siddiq, I've got doubts about that. I don't know, I don't think Abu Bakr al-Siddiq was from the Hufad. Mu'adh ibn Jabal, Ubay ibn Ka'ab. Ubad ibn Samit, radiallahu anhum. Yani clearly, Abu, Abu, Abu Darda, Zayd ibn Thabit, these later group of people are from the, are from the Ansar. Okay? So, um, 
we have يعني, a lot. Anas bin Malik, for example. Uh, there's a lot, but many others didn't. And that's why when the Prophet ﷺ is telling you about taking the Qur'an from so-and-so, so-and-so, it's only a few people. It's only a few people who have smashed it, smashed it. Yeah? And then you got a large number. But what is happening at the time of the Prophet ﷺ is that the Qur'an is being written down. Zayd ibn Thabit, for example, was asked often by the Prophet ﷺ, come and, and write this down. Uh, uh, sometimes, for example, which is the... Uh, uh, in the hadith of Zayd ibn Thabit that narrated in the Musadraq of Al-Hakim uh, hadith number 2901 Zayd ibn Thabit he said that at the time of the Prophet وسلم, we would be with him and he would be and we would write the Quran and on يعني, uh, rags or paper or par- parchment parchment, يعني, parchment and he also said he also said, Subhanallah, this hadith Subhanallah narrated by Imam Al Bukhari. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. He, he said, Bara uh, 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 said that when the ayah of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala was revealed, لا يسوى القائدون من المؤمنين غير أولي الضرر والمجاهدين في سبيل الله. When this ayah was revealed, which is Surah An Nisa, verse ninety-five, the Prophet Sallallahu said. Uh, call Zayd. Someone go out there and call Zayd and tell him to bring the loh. Okay? Bring the board, the piece of wood. Okay? And then he came and then he said, Right. He said to Zayd, Write it down. La yastawi. He recited to him and he wrote it down. This is in Bukhari. From many, many clear evidences that the Quran was written down in totality at the time of the Prophet So what can we say at the life of the Prophet Quran has been memorized by a number of the companions. The Quran has been checked by a number of companions. So for example, in Hadith of Ibn Mas'ud, famous one, where the Prophet called him and said to him, I want you to recite the Quran. He said, I recite the Quran to the one unzel. I recite to the one that it was recited upon it. He goes, recite. And so he would check our recitation as well. So it's been double-checked. Jibril checked him twice in the last year, of course. That's how they knew that the Prophet ﷺ was about to pass. They realized it was something different. So the Quran has been authenticated in the hearts of the companions on these seven seven variable forms or styles. And it has been written in various places on various collections but not in order. It has not been collected. It has not been done anything to. That is what happens at the time of the Prophet What's next? Next, as you know, Bakr al-Siddiq radiallahu anhu. By the way, you know when uh, the Prophet really upped the ante on this? When the 70 Qurra were killed in the attack on... Um, uh, no, 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 no. Um, what is the uh, thingy? The khiyana of the thingy, man. The khiyana of uh, Anyway, so 70 of the Qurra of the companions were killed. The Prophet ﷺ, of course, yani, gave them a punishment which was beyond yani, imagination. Okay, and they were punished, yani, the, the, the perpetrators. But as a result of that, that's when the Prophet ﷺ then started to get the people to. Not, uh, I don't want to say started, but he increased the, 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 the urgency. So then it was written down. Everything is all fine, everything's chilling, and then Yamama happens in the Khilafah of. Yeah, Bi'r Auna, exactly. All right, that was yani, where they threw them down in the, into the bi'r, okay, into the well. 
and they chopped them up and it was a massacre of the Qur'a. They were the best, not only just the Qur'a, but they were the best of the companions. So the Prophet ﷺ said, right, we've got to get this down. So they, he gets it down, but down in pieces everywhere. But everyone's chill, companions getting stronger, everything's getting stronger, everything's lovely. And then what happens? Yamama happens. Abu Bakr as-Siddiq doesn't expect it, but it's a yani, big smack yani, because the Arab tribes start to become apostates. Musaylim al-Kazab yani, uh, uh, comes forward. I think I started the story last week, I remember. And then that led to 70 of the main Qurra from the second generation, if you like, then becoming martyred as well. And Abu Bakr as-Siddiq realized that now if I do not gather the Qur'an in one place at one time, actually, uh, 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 by the way, that's not, even, uh, that's not even correct. It wasn't even Abu Bakr who said that. You know, subhanAllah, it was Umar who said that to him. It was Umar who said that to him. And Abu Bakr said, no way am I going to do that. No, no way can I do it. How can I go and do something which the Prophet ﷺ, who also went through the same situation, he didn't do that. He just carried on yani, getting people to memorize it and people to collect it. But he never put it together in one book. And yani, he didn't want to. And I, say, and I just want you to understand, you know this attitude that we have to one thing, one place, touch this, pray here, whatever. That's why the vast majority of scholars have uh, companions were not upon that methodology. They had a big fear that people would make something too holy, too special. And yani, keep Islam relaxed and simple and not so idolatrous. Maybe that's what's going through his head. But more probably the fact that he doesn't want to do something in terms of bid'ah. How can that happen? And Omar convinced him. You know what's amazing? You want to see leadership? You want to see leadership? He called Zayd ibn Thabit. This hadith is in Bukhari. And when Zayd came to him, you know you'd normally say to Zayd, Zayd is just Zayd. We're talking Umar and uh, uh, Abu Bakr, and we're talking yani, the people of the Shura and the, the Badr. You know, he goes to Zayd, he goes, Zayd, I want to tell you that uh, 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 Umar has said to me this, and I said to him that, and then he is making me change my mind, and I'm, you know, I want sanity check from you. Yani, he put all of the situation out in front of Zayd to give his opinion proper. And Zayd, yani obviously, he knew, it's clear from his, his demeanor, he goes that he knew this was the right thing to do. But he was just waiting for the killer sentence. And then after they had that debate discussion, then Abu Bakr said, okay, well, then there's no one more qualified in this ummah than, than you to do this job. So I'm giving it to you. And that's the famous statement of, uh, of Zayd. He said, Wallahi, I swear by Allah, if they had told me to move one of the mountains from the mountains of here, it would have been easier upon me than to tell me to do this job. To tell me to do this job. He then spends the next X amount of years, okay, or not X amount of years, yeah, any, uh, X amount of months, okay, but every single moment gathering the Mus'haf. Gathering the Mus'haf? Why does he need to gather the Mus'haf? He already memorized the Mus'haf. He knows the Mus'haf. In actual fact, another hadith which is so famous, he goes, who, know, who knows the, 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 the last part of the Quran that was entered? Anyone know? Exactly. The last, ayah of, the last two ayat of Surah at two ayat? Yeah, yeah. Last two ayat of Surah Tawbah. He said, he said that I, when I was gathering this, what did he say? Exactly. Abu Khuzayma al Ansari. Okay, so Abu Khuzayma al Ansari, radiallahu anhu. Zayd said, he goes, he goes, he goes, 
فتتبعت القرآن أجمعه من العصب والخاف وصدور الرجال حتى وجدت آخر سورة التوبة مع أبي خزيمة الأنصاري لم أجدها مع أحد غيره So he goes I followed and I searched and I hunted and I hunted until the last thing that I found was the last two ayat of Surah At-Tawbah and it was only with one person and that was Abu Khuzayma Al-Ansari the last two verses of Surah At-Tawbah and then until the Bara'a was finished until Bara'a which is what they used to call it okay remember I said to you that they didn't have names for the surahs yani they used to call the surah by the beginning of the first word Bara'a was finished and then he has now gathered it into a mushaf and now put it away you might say hold on then what you're basically saying, and this is how idiotic the argument can get, is that the last two verses of Surah At-Tawbah are only from one single source. And you say this Quran is mutawatir. Response to that? Huh? Yeah, this is just the written we're saying. The Quran was memorized. He knew what the last two verses were. Don't think like he, did. he didn't know what the last two verses of Tawbah were. He's trying to find the written version of it to confirm what I know and Abdullah bin Mas'ud knows and Abu Bakr knows, everybody knows what it's meant to be, but we want to make sure that we've got the written with the actual uh, verbal. And so now he, ca- he collects it all, gathers it, puts it all together, and then he presents it to Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiallahu an, and it is now kept. There was no fear for the ummah, no real political reality or difficulty, so he keeps it. Abu Bakr radiallahu an passes away. And then Umar, he gets, he gets passed over to Umar. Umar then preserves it and protects it. And then he passes. It's passed on to Hafsa, the daughter of Umar. She keeps it and the story. What then happens next? The companions then start to now really spread out. Umar has laid the foundations. Yeah? He was the big opener. He's going to open Quds. He's going to open this and that. And now we've got the whole uh, uh, Sham and the Levant. And every, you know, everyone's going all over the place. And when people are going all over the place and are settling down, Iraq is now establishing its own little kind of, you know, proper Muslim identity city. Abdullah Mas'ud very comfortable, Babin Ka'ab very comfortable, Ali bin very comfortable. Mecca is now becoming its own thing, Sham is becoming its own thing, and then further on as well. And you've got companions who used to recite the Qur'an differently to one another. There's no doubt about it, that there were variations between them. Not massive variations, but according to the Sabbat Ahruf, according to these seven letters. And these differences, what happened? Um, I don't know if this is true. I don't know. Stuff, no, I don't know. It's true. But I don't know if this is the main reason or not. But some of the scholars, they said that when then, uh, obviously at the time of Uthman, we could start becoming more adventurous. And for example, they went to take out Azerbaijan and um, Azerbaijan was next to it. Uzbekistan. Uzbekistan? No. Azerbaijan and what area? Armenia. Armenia. Thank you. I said Armenia. So Azerbaijan and Armenia, they were going to take out those and, and, and conquer, conquer these places. So you know the companions, they're mad for it. Love a bit of jihad. Love it. So when they heard we've got a new fresh Yani frontier, new Yani behavior, we'd be down for that. So this was the first retreat, basically, for the companions. First time they've all hooked up in one place after a long time. So we've got now in Azerbaijan, they all come on from Iraq and they all come from here and they all come from there. And they're obviously now reciting upon one another, chilling, this, that, and it's like, hold on, what did you say? Hold on, what did you recite? And they've got differences. And it started to cause a little bit of discussion, a bit of fitna. And now the Amsar, as they say, the big cities now started to realize they've got different variations of the Quran being recited. Nothing significant, 
but enough to cause that little bit of unease. So Uthman said, I need to knock this on the head right now. Okay? He did not, he did not delegitimize the recitations. He did not delegitimize the qiraat. He said, we well, need to unify upon one simple uh, uh, harf or one way. And now this is going to get complicated. But it's going to be one way, which is the main way. And this is what we're going to choose. Now you can argue that he chose the Qurashi dialect. Which is, I think, my opinion. Myself, I'm not sure. But I'm, yani. Regardless, the point is, a, what is the asl of that one if Mus'haf? That process was being done all the time. What we're now talking here is that what are we going to agree this on? How are we going to make sure that everyone is now going to stop yani, causing confusion amongst them? Because it's one thing you lot yani, disagreeing. At least you guys know that it's the same meaning, that the thing is protected, that there's no major difference. But your students and then their students and then their students, it's going to then become big thing. Like Chinese whispers. Like Chinese whispers. Yeah? So we don't want that to happen. So he then told Zaid, go and get me the Mus'haf from Hafsa. So they got the Mus'haf from Hafsa. And up until now, it's just one simple copy. And he says, I want this now job, Tiani. And I want it to be uh, copied by scribes and then sent out. And sent out. And it then got sent out. Okay? It then got sent out and all of the companions were happy with it. That's the most important part. All the companions were happy with it in general. What companions were not happy with is being made to feel like theirs is something wrong or theirs is something weak. And at the head of them is Abdullah ibn Mas'ud. Radiallahu ta'ala anhu. It is without doubt, as we're going to come to um, in a minute, his qira'ah, his actual recitation of the Qur'an, had normal kind of what you'd consider to be differences and then to a level where it is significant. So for example... The Qira'ah of Abdullah ibn Mas'ud of Surah Al-Ma'idah, okay? فَكَفَّارَتُهُ, okay, in the ayah of the uh, Yameen, okay, Al-Iman, uh, uh, vows. إِطْعَامُ عَشْرَةِ مَسَاكِينَ مِنْ أَوْسَةِ مَا تُطْعِمُونَ أَهْلِيكُمْ أَوْ كِسْوَتُهُمْ أَوْ تَحْرِيرُ رَقَبًا فَمَنْ لَمْ يَجِدْ فَصِيَامُ ثَلَاثَةِ أَيَّامٍ مُتَتَابِعَاتِ A complete additional word. In every other mushaf, in every other qira'ah, in every, every riwayah. By the way, uh, Sheikh, uh, any of the riwayat al-qira'at al-sab'ah has mutatabi'at? No. Okay, just so you appreciate, yani, we're, now, we're talking now outside of the, what you hear, you know, he's reciting Warsh and he's reciting Qalun. Outside of the seven, outside of the ten, Outside of the 14, okay, outside of the authentic, the qira'ah of, of Abdullah ibn Mas'ud has an extra word. Now, that makes you think, oh my goodness, how is that possible? Actually, if you just stop and you realize what did the actual word do, it does hardly anything. I mean, I say hardly anything. Uh, 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 I, I bought a book recently, subhanAllah, in Mecca. You know, Shaz, I told you that I want that book. Yeah, you see, you see that, okay. Um, uh, there was a mujahid who was a student of Abdullah ibn Abbas and uh, he was making tawaf and you know I, 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 told, I told the folks in the Umrah group I said that tawaf is a place that you're meant to learn 
This is another evidence, okay? People are hating on chatting and tawaf. Chatting and studying is part of tawaf. Okay, that's right. That's, you didn't hate. All right, that's fine. But just in case anyone hates. So he's going around making tawaf and someone says to him about the kafar yameen. Uh, 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 actually, he doesn't say it to him. He's with another alim. I forgot the name. And they're walking. They're in tawaf. And he says that the three days, can it be any three days? Yeah, I need three days of fasting. If I break my vow, so I, have, I vow that if I pass my exams, I'm going to, you know, buy matai for everyone. Yeah? He doesn't realize that's going to cost him 10 grand. Okay? So he says, all right, you know what? I'm going to have to just break that vow. And to break the vow, you have to fast three days. That's what the ayah says. Yeah? For man lam yajid. So whoever is not able to uh, feed 10 people uh, or uh, uh, address them, uh, clothe the 10 people, which is significant money, or free a slave, which is very, very difficult. Okay? So whoever is not, the ayah says, so whoever is not able to do that, then let them fast three days. That's what the ayah says in all of the qiraat, and that's what we believe. In the qiraat of Ibn Mas'ud, mutatabi'at, continuously. So no days without a break. So you might think, okay, this is random. It's actually random, but not so much so. Because when he asked this question, one come up to the sheikh and says, is it, do I need to fast these three days in a row? And he said, no, the other one, yatafarraq, yani labas. Yeah, whatever you want to do, do one day here, one day there. And Mujahid said, no, three days in a row. Because, yani, mutatabi'at. So he did use as a hujjah, which means a Quranic evidence, a proper clear evidence, a, not the Quran, a qira'ah, and a qira'ah of Ibn Mas'ud at that, which is not considered as part of the qira'at. Abdullah ibn Abbas, it seems to be, yani, follow this opinion as well. And Abdullah ibn Abbas, of course, is the teacher of Mujahid. So you can start to see now the links and the developments about how Fiqhiani was affected and, 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 and. Listen, I thought I could do this in an hour. I, I can't. And I, I, obviously, our Bengalis have not gone home now, okay? They're in the masjid. They've left Amiskeen there by himself and now he's got no one to you know, check with and he might now, be, he might have a heart attack hearing the next kind of stuff. Yeah? So, uh, you know, Yara, just take one for the team and sit there on your own, bro. I need to finish this. So, um, okay, to move on then. So I want you to know that even though that's shocking because it's an extra whole word, in actual fact, the extra word indicates that maybe to do three days continuously is a wajh, is a, is a good strong point of view. Our argument would be that according to the majority of companions, it wasn't. Someone might say, where did this come from? Where did it come from? Is this a ziyadah from Abdullah bin Mas'ud himself? Yeah? Yani, is it possible, like we know that happens in hadith, all the, not all the time, but very famously happens in hadith, that sometimes, and what we call this, we call this ziyadat al-thiqa. When a, a, a companion is narrating from the Prophet ﷺ a hadith, and then he adds a statement at the end, sometimes if the muhaddithin don't spot it, they think that the explanatory statement is still the hadith continuing. Does that make sense? It runs. Yeah, idraj for example. Yeah, they, they call it in Mustalah Hadith, Zayd al-Thiqa or idraj. Yeah, and, 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 and increase upon the original text, which has been suddenly assumed to be the statement of the Prophet It's only the top, top scholars who can look at a statement, a long sentence, and say the Prophet statement stopped there. Because there's no full stop. But they can tell that he stopped there, and that's the statement of Abu Huraira. That's Abu Huraira's sharh, or tafsir, or explanation of the Hadith, and you made a mistake and you added it all together. Because imagine, you're the one who's narrating for Abu Huraira. And you said, Abu Huraira said, the Prophet said, and da 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 And Abu Huraira was at that time explaining what it meant. 
And normally he would say at the end, يعني. And يعني would be the dividing kind of clause of when he's starting to speak. But sometimes the Prophet ﷺ has been narrated also to use what يعني. Okay, يعني to indicate what I mean by that is so and so. So therefore, is it possible that Ibn Mas'ud when he's reciting and he taught his student that the mutatabi'at was an indication from Ibn Mas'ud to, to explain what the nature of these three days is? Or is it possible that from one of the huruf, it means that the differences in the harf could be that there is more explanation of the same point without changing the meaning drastically? What I'm saying to you is that these are all possible. And this possibility is what leads to the variations in the qira'at. Okay, so just to, uh, now for, to finish this, okay, because it's going to get too long. You've got now the Mus'haf of, of, of Uthman. I want to say a statement which I, I want you to not write down and assume it to be the class position. But there are a number of students of knowledge and some scholars that now believe this as well. That is very possible that there were scribal errors in copying the Uthmanic codex. rasmi. Okay? From the people who were copying Uthman's one. Because Uthman said, now copy this and send it out to the big cities. Now, is it possible that they could have made a, a mistake in it or left out a letter? Or left? It's possible. It doesn't make, uh, it does, it's, not a, it's not an attack on the Mus'haf. It doesn't reduce the quality of the Mus'haf. It doesn't reduce the authenticity of the Mus'haf. But if I say all oh, make copies and someone forgets to photocopy a page and put one in and someone, you know, pen runs out or whatever. Is it possible? You know, if someone said to me and prove it to me, it wouldn't shake my iman one bit. It wouldn't affect me one little bit because it doesn't matter. But could it also be one of the reasons then that when then these mushafs went out and they've, even though they've been checked and even though they, you know, some error has kicked in, if it's there. This is just a possibility, uh, even a weak theory. Even conspiracy theory you can put it, I don't mind. But it goes then to another city and then these cities like Kufa, let's look now, now look at the major cities of, 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 of Islam. Kufa, Basra, Medina, Mecca, and I'm going to say Damascus. When we say Sham, it's, it's Damascus, basically, right? This is the only five, صح? For the Qurra? Yeah. So you got five. So these now become schools. They develop Arabic, they develop language, they develop uh, grammar. It's called the school of Kufa in Arabic, the school of X. In hadith, the school, they develop yani, strong identities. Yani, big, big yani, people, big, big scholars, big madaris. And in every, so when you think of Abu Hanifa from Kufa, he's the imam in fiqh. And you would see, for example, that when it comes to the Quran, he would say, like, who did he say to Abu Hanifa? To Abu Amr? Is it Abu Amr? Did he say to Abu Amr? Who is the, the imam of Kufa, uh, Sheikhi? Yes, Hamza, 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 Hamza. So Hamza, okay, let's list the names of the Qurra, the Qurra Sabaa. They are Nafi', who's the best of them, okay? And then, that's my opinion, I'm biased, okay? Uh, and then Asim, who's the one who's the Pax one, everyone li likes the Pax. Oh, one second, one second, one second, one second, one second. So uh, uh, Nafi', okay? That's Medina. That's not Nafi', by the way, the... Uh, uh, the Ibn Umar one. That's not the Faqih. Okay? That's Nafi' the Qari. Okay? The Muqra'. Muqra'a, صح? Yeah. So, so Nafi' Medina. Medina. Asim. 
You want to start first? Yes. Oh, you, want, you mean you want to go into uh, geographical? Yes, you're right. Okay. Ibn Kathir yes. from Mecca. Yes. Okay. So the next one is Ibn Kathir from Mecca. Then we go to Kufa. Yes. It is? Hamza. Uh, 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 okay. Yeah. So Hamza and Asim and Al Kisai. Yes. Hamza, Asim, Kisai in Kufa. Okay, so you got Medina, Nafi', Mecca, Ibn Kathir. Then Kufa in Iraq, you got Hamza, Kisai, and Asim. Then Basra, you've got Ibn Amr. Abu Amr. And where's Ibn Amr from? Sham. Yeah. And then Ibn Amr. Ibn Amr is Sham. Okay? Because Ahsan, did he give the riwayah to the Prophet of all these seven? No. He didn't. That yeah, that they're each individual's riwayah to the Prophet. Oh, no, yeah, he said which companions they got him from. Yeah, yeah okay, good. Yeah, because I, I, I can give that to you if you want, but I told you guys to watch that lecture. Obviously, none of you watched yeah, it he, at all. He told us which companions Good, good, good. Because all of these seven imams, okay, they are imams, scholars, and they took their riwayah or their qira'ah, their narration being either directly from the companions. Which really, to be honest, is only Ibn Kathir and Nafi'. Okay? The rest, Asim, maybe. The rest of them, Yani, not so. And most of them, they took it from Tabi'in. Because they are, the earliest, I think, is like 60 Hijri, something like that. And then you got a big jump to 150 or 160 or whatever the dates of birth are. Like, you know, there's a lot of difference between the seven in terms of age. But they're taking from Tabi'een or Atba' Tabi'een or companions and they all have their chains back to the Prophet And these are the seven main Imams. First point, they are human beings. Second point, they are not specialists in anything else. When you see the biographies, you will see some amazing statements that will blow your mind. These are the ones that we are depending upon for our Qur'an, but some of the scholars didn't accept them in Hadith. Abu Hanifa went to Hamza and he said, Wallahi, you know, you are something special. He goes... And he goes, from you, I've seen something too special, uh, two things, uh, Quran and the Fara'id, inheritance. All right? Which indicates from Abu Hanifa himself that that's not my game. Quran is not my game. Yeah? And inheritance isn't my game. And by the way, Abu Hanifa is a master in both. Yes. Just so that you know. All right? But he's the only making it clear that's not my game. And then you look at someone like Imam Ahmed. Listen, I don't want to cause fitna, yeah? Just take it and just accept it. Imam Ahmed said it's haram to pray behind someone who, who recites according to Hamza. <laughs> haram. I think, I think, uh, uh, no, maybe, maybe, but he came after, after, much after. So, so for example, I think it is Abdullah, uh, Abdurrahman bin Mahdi, for example. Um, but by the way, these are the major, major names of the major nuqad, the greatest imams in hadith. Abdurrahman Mahdi said that if a person prays salah behind someone who recites in Hamza, he has to repeat the prayer. <laughs> so, yani, I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about the Qarab al Mas'ud or 14 or 10. I'm talking about the seven. I'm talking about the seven. And I'm not even talking about the riwayah of a Shu'bah or Hafs and Asim. I'm talking about Asim. I'm talking about the Imam, not the Imam that took from him. All right? So, I want you to appreciate that these scholars could have made mistakes, they could. And I said something to Sheikh Abdul Ghaffar early on and he gave him a heart attack. He goes, Astaghfirullah, Astaghfirullah. But this means ishtihadat of the Qur'an. 
There is, you know, when we say that there's ishtihad of the fuqaha, there is something that we can say which is ishtihad of qurra. But this is a very dangerous statement. We should not be saying this in front of people, that the qurra made ishtihad. All right? Because that would indicate that they could have got it right or wrong, and then the Qur'an comes from right or wrong. I want, and I want to understand that the Qur'an itself is in question here. What we're trying to explain is why are there possibilities of variations in imala, in sound, in glottal stop, in pause, waiting, you can't say anything, now you carry on, blah, blah, blah. All the different types of things that we see, what are the possible reasons? These are the possible reasons for it. Yani, there are different words in there, there are different... Uh, uh, we covered yani, in detail here too, arjulakum wa arjulikum. Okay, yani, having the fatha, having the kasra, that make a complete different meaning because it means that you either wash your feet or wipe your feet. So having that significant yani, difference is an indication that according to which qira'a that you're using. And back in the day in the books of fiqh and books of tafsir, you will see the classical scholars, they will give their opinion based upon recitation. They'll say according to the recitation of so-and-so. They won't say according to the recitation of hafs or according to, they were before them. They were yani, before the, the Qur'an of the Imam. And by the way, Ibn Mujahid, who's the one who is known as the founder of this field, now you understand why I criticize Tajweed so much, but I don't want to go any yani, whatever. Tajweed is, people are getting excited about Tajweed, you've got to recite like this, you've got to recite like this. Habibi, you don't even, we don't even need to worry about the, 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 the Qira'at and you're talking about Tajweed. These are things that happened hundreds of years afterwards, where you've got Scholars that are adding their own opinions upon thingy, their ideas for idgham and lazim and eight and six, madarish, kalam. Yeah, what's going on? Take it easy. These are opinions of scholars. Habibi, you know, when you understand that Asim is the Imam who took from the Tabi'in or whatever, you will see his main students, those who really stood out, Hafs and Shu'aba. I'm going to use just this man as an example because he's the one that represents us, okay? We all recite the Mus'haf that we recite today according to the narration of Hafs on the authority of the recitation of Asim. Hafs and Asim. You will see every time you open a Qur'an at the very first page, you will see this is according to the riwayah of Hafs and Asim. So that is the route that we have taken back to the Prophet ﷺ. That route itself, Hafs and Asim, is differed over slightly to the one which is Shu'aba and Asim which is different, complete, not completely, but significantly to Warsh when he took it from Nafi'. Different from, that's why it's called the Riwayah of Warsh and Nafi', which is different to, only slightly, but different to Qalun and Nafi'. Okay? And then uh, Duri is on uh, an Abi Am. Uh, 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 and Susi is the second one. Okay, so you got two imams, two narrations, the riwayah of Aduri or the riwayah of Susi and Abi Amr. Okay, and then Ibn Amr, who are the two uh, thingies, the riwayat? Hisham and Ibn Zakwan. Hisham and Ibn Amr and Zakwan. Okay, and, and Ibn Amr. And Kasai? Duri has one from Al Kasai. So this is, uh, you can see now the webs being, yeah, you can see now the webs now forming. What if I tell you that already your head is now whatever, then they had turuq. Yes. So then now take yani hafs and now start branching off and you got turuq. And now if I say to you that wherever it landed according to turuq, tariqah, this, tariqah, that, they got wujuh. Yes. And people make the wajh, which is singular, so the branch of 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 the Prophet Sallallahu they make this and they're saying that there's no ishtihad in all of this? 
There's no decision-making process. Yani, if we've got one source here, and then we've got seven, seven styles that in some way, and I want to make it clear that I do not believe that the one of the qiraat is equal to one of the harf. I do not believe that the harf refers to the qiraat. No. That is not the case. I am saying to you that I think that maybe the seven qiraat are based on one harf. So imagine. So I want people to tell me that you're all now going into qiraat. And then you've got riwayat. And then you've got turuk. And then you've got wujuh. And you're saying to me that when there are differences here, that there's not going to be differences over there? And there's not going to be some people involved and maybe even some scribal errors and, 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 and. My point is, this is a very sensitive issue. If you say this in front of the major Quran scholars, they'll say you are kafir, straight out. Straight out, straight out, straight out. They have to because they, are, they feel too much under pressure because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, إِنَّا نَحْنُ نَزَّلَ الْقُرْآنَ نَزَّلَ الْقُرْآنَ that we have sent down the dhikr, we are the ones who will protect it. And what does it mean then that we have done hifz if you're saying it's different, it's different, it's different? We'll say that there's no evidence to suggest that every single letter is preserved in one single harf or one single qira'a, but all of it, ijmalan, it is protected. And that's why there is a big lesson to take out of this and then the minor individual ones. And the big lesson is that there is no doubt what the Qur'an is, its beginning, its end, its power, its meaning, its effect, its ruling, its theology, its uh, impact. But that is enough for the masses. For us, at the technical level, we need to be clear and understand that when these differences occur, we can swallow it up like a sponge. We've got the, uh, we've got the, the, the understandings why these things happen, what the benefit was, allow it to make it easy for the people. The Qur'an has been protected, but these people, at the same time, when people go mad, like, and they say, well, how can you say something about... Ibn Mujahid, I think, was around 350, 400, 350 or something like that. After the Hijri. He's the one who's decided, and not decided by himself, but he's the one who's made the official statement, these are the seven qiraat which are mutawatir, these are the three which are shad, the other four, God knows what they did to them, Masakin, and yani, Ibn Mas'ud doesn't come in. And everyone takes his as the canon. He canonized the seven qiraat. We'll say, that's his ishtihad. That's his, ishtihad. That's his opinion. That he makes them seven like this and the three like that and whatever. So, so, I don't know where we started, where we went. But the point is, that I think is enough. Because, I, you know, if you want to confuse the people, yani, you know, you thought Brexit was bad. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, 10, yeah, uh, uh, Rafi is saying that told us 10. There's so many. Uh, actually, uh, Rafi, you proved my point. Okay. Told us 10. And then 10 times 2 is 20. There are so many. Yeah, once you start getting involved in this kind of game, and so, you know, this, uh, we just need to... Those, those are the, the, the three. Those are the three. Uh, like I said, you should watch that lecture to get the technical facts. But anyway, that's what I want to say. So now you guys can ask your questions now because I've just spoken a lot and I didn't even actually say what Sheikh Othamin said. Huh? Because then next weekend, I'm going to start like that. It's going to blow people's minds if I say that in, in, in Mecca, in Medina. Anyway, I'll answer his point. Yani Sheikh Uthameen summarizes it very simple. He says that uh, the scholars, they said, as the, the text says, it must be from the... What's the text? Alaka, what's our text? You haven't even brought up the lesson today. You're very interested in looking for, searching for God knows what, right? 
ولا تصح الصلاة بقراءة خارجة من عن مصحف عثمان. And the prayer is not valid. The prayer is invalidated by reciting from other than the Mus'haf of Uthman. Sheikh Uthameen says, no, not true. Class position, not true. If you recite and uh, according to the Qira'ah of Ibn Mas'ud, then how can we say that it is invalidated when it is from the Prophet That's my position. That's his position. It's the class position. And I want you to know it's a moot point because no one has the Qira'ah of Ibn Mas'ud today. You understand? So we debated the facts, but no one has the Qira'ah of Ibn Mas'ud. You could recite and no one would know what's going on anyway. Yeah, because we're not even talking the Qira'at, we're talking the whole different Qira'ah. Right? Style, whatever. And when I say different, I don't mean materially different, but you know, you, you get my point. That effectively is his conclusion. You know, I've pretty much summed up everything else. There's something actually that he talks about, but I don't want to open that. I'm not going to, he gives an example. He, he goes and he emphasizes this point about, not speak, about speaking to the people level, on their level. He quotes Ali, he quotes Abu Huraira, he quotes a number of companions to, to, you know, that warn the people, speak to a people according to the level. Don't put people into fitna. Don't give people more than yani, what they can handle. And that's a very important part. And then Shaykh Uthameen wants to emphasize that from a teacher's point of view. Okay? And he also then adds some examples of things that the Prophet ﷺ did when explaining some of the difficult ayat with respect to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in terms of his attributes. So for example, sometimes the Prophet ﷺ would indicate, rarely, and it's authentic, that when Allah's uh, speech and Allah's hearing, Samir al-Basir for example, uh, the, the Prophet ﷺ has been narrated to indicate proper hearing, proper seeing. Now, if I was to do this, to indicate the eye and the ear, the major problem with me doing this is one, what do the people in front of me understand by that? It is not permissible at all to liken Allah to human creation. And when I do that, and I say like this sight and like this hearing, like this sight and like this hearing, I have limited Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who created sight and hearing. And that's something which is impermissible. However, if we see a hadith where the Prophet was, was doing that, that's going to blow the minds of the people. And it's there in the Sunan of Abu Dawood. People would, yani, they don't know what it means, so they just move on. But imagine someone's teaching it, and they should do that. That's a disaster. And he gives an example. He says that the hadith of the, the Prophet Sallallahu that in the qulubina Adam bainusbarimin asabir Rahman that the hearts of the uh, human beings, the hearts of the human beings are between the, the fingers of uh, Ar Rahman, Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. And there are people on the member that do this hadith, and they do that. They do that. And that's haram. It's not haram, it's actually kufr. Yani because you're doing that, that, not only was that never done by the Prophet Wasallam. number one. Number two, we don't know how the manner of, that, of the way that Allah holds the hearts of the Bani Adam. And to do that, you, make, you humanize Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this is how dangerous it is. You have an authentic narration which indicates that he did it to a few companions to make sure that they understand that this is not no metaphorical hearing and listening, hearing and seeing, real. But in no way did the Prophet Sallallahu encourage the idea it's human. But it means that it's proper hearing, proper seeing. Okay? Uh, there's nothing unto like him. So, Shaykh Uthameen is giving the example that you're not meant to say and reproduce everything that is in our deen. You're not meant to tell everyone everything. You're meant to actually keep a lot of it away. And actually, this is the stuff that we covered today. We would not yani, broadcast 
to you know on a recorded video or something like that it would not be done in front of the masses this is heavy heavy stuff hard uh, whatever and it can confuse people right so the many very very harsh statements of the scholars that are trying to protect Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from anthropomorphism okay where you humanize him in this way that, that 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 obviously is an insult to Allah it's an abuse of the divinity and the sanctity of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so anyway that's basically what uh, Sheikh Uthameen he says uh, how can uh, incredulous statement he says at the end how is it possible that a person will think it? so in essence will say that it's okay um, uh, if someone did that but um, I don't know there we go yes it's on the portal link is there Shazad will put the link up again on this one it is the Quranic progression one of last week Sheikh Ahsan Hanif, Yani delivered it. Okay, let's do questions. The lesson's already gone long. I kept you long. And I'm the one who's flying out in the morning and you lot are complaining. Come on, tell me. Yes. So, you know, obviously you're saying that it's the ishtihad of the seven everyone. Don't want to say that. Whoa. I don't want to say, ow, ow. I want to say that there's no doubt that somewhere along the line when they're receiving a mushaf and a mushaf has, Yani, some dots there, some not dots there. Yani, some uh, included. Like, listen. I can keep going deeper. This whole yani is never ending. Yeah. What if I say to you that to say the, the, the dots not being there is an excuse, right? If I said to you that, because it's a nice convenient explainer, isn't it? There's no dots, so of course there's variation. I heard from a friend who, is, who did his PhD. By the way, the amount of books that have been written just on this issue is insane. The depth, I'm not, I'm not, if we're not, I'm not exaggerating, I'm not showing off. What we did today is 0.01%, not 1% or 0.1%, 0.1% of the knowledge of this issue. Okay? One of my friends, he did his PhD, his entire three years PhD, on the timing of the dots. His theory of a nuqat is that they came very early. Yani meaning that 50, 60 Hijri dots started appearing. Yes, he said that yani, the, the manuscript, manuscript, the famous manuscripts of Sana'a, you know, the one that fell down in the main masjid and whatever, and that, which is meant to be from the time of Uthman, they don't have it. But what is the significance of his point? The significance of his point is that you can't keep blaming everything on the lack of dots. And that the dots were there in most of the early Quranic manuscripts. Now that is a massive shocking statement. Because that then takes away the main basis for some of the differences between the Qur'an. Mm. So I want to put to you that just like the utter miserable demise of Manchester United. <laughs> not being just the fall of Flippin' Jose Mourinho. But Pogba and Edwards and the fish and the other one and this and that and Liverpool getting better and it's true. Everything is, is there's always multiple reasons, but when you just look at it from the outside, it's just Jan Jose Mourinho. The Quran and this issue and these differences of opinion are not just based upon the nuqat, 
not just based upon Sabbat Ahruf, not just based upon error from the scribes, not just based upon Ishtihad of Uthman. Everything plays into it. And subhanAllah, the amazing thing is, is that despite all of that, the Quran is mahfuz and protected. It's the kalam of Allah upon which there is no difference of opinion in its final, final form. But in its yani, varieties, the, the reasons for your differences are what I've said. Allah knows best. Carry on quickly because we need to get this out. We never can come back. This, this is a door that we close. And we put a lock on it and we put a room number on it like 666 or something like that. So no one any knocks on it either. I don't know, man. I don't know. That's something that you lot yani, follow. I'm gonna get. I would be the one who would definitely choose 666. I am that guy. Ha, huh, Sheikh? Because what is it that they need to know? What does it mean, Mus'haf of uh, Uthman? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, Sheikh uh, Uthameen, he agrees, by the way, that, well, he doesn't go into the tafsil of Ishtihadat al-Qurra, but he made it very clear that the Ahruf itself, that the Asl was the Qurashi Ahruf, uh, Harf, and that the different Ahruf that were introduced were to make it easier for the other people. What does that mean? To make it easier, what does it mean? That means that they were able to say different things. So he is, uh, he is also confirming, which by the way most scholars accept, that there were significant differences between the Ahruf. No, no, I agree that. Yeah, and that's what he says. No, no, he doesn't. He didn't. Oh, Ibn Mas'ud, he said it's a Qira'a Sahihah. Of course. If, for example, the yes. is not recited for the 10th, let's say, for example, the Mutawatir. So, 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 so Sheikh Abdul Khabar asked an, an important question. What about from the Qiraat Shadda? What about from the 14? Or what, from, what about the 10th and not the 7? Yes. Uh, that's what Sheikh's asking. Our position is that all of them, actually, I can tell you, the Hanafis, they don't accept yani, the 10. The Hanabila and the Shafi'is, and it is my position, and it's the position of Muhaqqiqeen, that not only the 10, not only the 14, any qira'ah that has an authentic sanad back to the Prophet sallallahu it is authentic to, authentic to recite by. That the, the, the salah is valid. Whether it should be done in front of the people, different question. But is the salah valid? Yes, it is. And Ibn, uh, uh, yani, this min bab al-awla, because if, if Ibn Mas'ud, which none of them put in even to the 14 or into the 10, we're accepting his one, then madaraka yani bi al-ashra, or the 14. They are even more ahwad, wa aqrab, because they have more companions, right? No, 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 I'm saying... I'm saying that Sheikh Uthameen's position okay. is that if a person was to recite according to the 10th qira'ah in salah, the prayer is correct. Mm-hmm. What's, what's it? Or qira'ah shadha. Even qira'ah shadha if the sanad is sahih. Okay, okay. Because you know the qira'ah shadha. No. I didn't want to go into this. The established seven and then the odd ones, they are odd not because you throw the baby out of the bathwater, they are odd because they didn't complete all of the conditions of mutawatira. One of the conditions, only one, which they are the same in, is that it must be from the Prophet authentically. The shahad ones are from the, 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 the Senate is from the Prophet authentically. But the, where would it fall down? It would fall down because it doesn't have another 20 supporting it. To create tawatur. What's our argument? Our argument is, is that the Khabar Ahad is a hujjah in hadith because of it being established from the Prophet I don't care if it's a million companions or one, but once it comes from the Prophet and it's authentic, we've authenticated it. No al-kathib, 
no, no nakara, then it's to be acted upon. And likewise, the qira'ah. If it comes from the Prophet فَنَعْمَلْ بِهَا And that's the position of the Hanabila, the Shafi'iyya, and Ahlul Hadith, and Shaykh Uthameen. In answer to your question. That's why the fiqh is required. Yes, to that. So from what you say, it's, it's possible to have different words and different qara'ah, yep. not different meanings. Is that, is that the red line? No, 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 not different meanings, because there's no doubt that, yani... No, you can't have different, that's what I'm saying, that's the red line. You can have different words, but not a different meaning. Yani, what we can, you know, what does it mean to have a different meaning? Okay, so if I said to you, for example, uh, I'm trying, someone give me an example in English. To be used, annoyed, and irritated. Good, good. Excellent example. Annoyed and irritated. They're obviously two different words, but they effectively mean the same thing. And that's what doesn't happen. The, the, the Quran cannot fundamentally have contradictions. That's what Allah has protected it from. That's the hifz. So there's no doubt about the message. There's no doubt about the detail. There's no doubt about the facts. When it comes to the differences, the differences are in style, in tone, in wording of synonyms, etc., etc., etc. Very good. Very good question. Girls, done. Boys, done. Online. Anyone? Yeah, anything? Yeah, I love it. This is why we need Ambreen. Can you plant a tree on a grave? You sick guy. You sick guy. This is the kind of questions we want. I think it's permissible, knock it out, no problem. It is, I think it's permissible, not the sunnah. I think it's permissible, meaning I, I, I can't say it's haram. Do I think it is bid'ah? I think it's closer to bid'ah, but I can't say it is haram because the Prophet ﷺ did it. The companions yani, didn't copy a minute. That's why we say that this action of putting the two plantings on the grave was something specific to the Prophet ﷺ. The other side say, if it was only he who did it, then we want to copy it because we want to copy him. Difficult to argue against that. Our argument is much stronger. If it was a sunnah, the companions would all do it upon every single grave. Never done. Clear as, clear as, clear as the sun. All right? All right. I think uh, uh, these guys have got to go here. We've been here for years. You keep that right there. You keep that right there. You put that right there. You'll let me down. I see all of you munching all the way through. There's me, Yanni, doing the world's most difficult subject ever. Yanni, people, Yanni, doing kufr, whatever. People like, kufr, mufr, Yanni, you are sweet. <laughs> Let me my chocolate. Let me chocolate. Same thing. Even worse, savouries. You couldn't even bring sweets. You cheap paggy. You made the any cheap day, whatever that is. Goodness gracious. And it does me doing the haram halal of the year, and everyone's thinking haram halal. What is this? Last question. Go for it. So when the Prophet said it's in reveal in seven harf. Yeah, seven harf. I would translate the word as style. That's that. so, but you won't, you won't say that's the seven Qiraat. Qiraat. Definitely not. Definitely not. Are we saying them seven styles have come from, have been. From the Prophet, have observed and accepted by the Prophet in one way or the other. Transmitted or maybe not followed through? No, because the differences are something which the Prophet is happy with, whatever it is, mostly intonation, whatever. Yeah, yeah. The seven huruf are only one factor in the differences in the Qiraat. One factor and every other factor you put it all together and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. Online, this situation, okay, you guys go. I'm going to do this online thing because they're going to moan. They're going to say, hey, you didn't look. How can I give a lecture like that and look at the screen at the same time? You know what I mean? Reads off a thing like this. Don't do that behavior, right? Oh, natural. Go on and find the questions, Lala. You know, Rafia. She wants to behave. She asks the most difficult questions. You know that. So here, this one, um, if the copies. 
Bro, can you just take it easy, please? Just go to the bottom and start from the bottom. Right, Danielle is the first one, yes? Yeah. Right. Unto God. Just calm down. I can't deal with it. Just keep it. Just stop moving. Just stop moving. Don't move. If the couples were sent out and didn't have vows, then was a disagreement in words? I've already answered that. Right? In essence, you're saying that when Uthman collected into one style harf, we lost some other legitimate styles. Not only not, not we didn't lose. We didn't lose. Uthman didn't want them to create more confusion. If you mean reduce the transmission of those other six, no doubt. And there were absolutely no incorrect variations being... <laughs> and there were absolutely no incorrect variations being recited in Islam spread to non-Arab lands as some allude to as a reason. Not incorrect, nothing incorrect, nothing incorrect. Yeah, next one. Are there seven or ten? Seven are authentic and ten, Yani, are included. Some said the three are the ones that are shadha. Yani, the three and then the four. The difference of opinion on that. Does Ibn Mas'ud's opinion about falak and nas not being part of Quran maybe stem from it not being included in one of the ahruf possible? I don't think so. I think that's a major one. Or is it confirmed that all ahruf considered the beginning and the end of the Quran the same? Yeah. Um, that's a really good question. That's a really good question. And above my pay grade. Because I don't know whether the Qira'ah of Ibn Mas'ud... No, I don't know the answer to that. That's, that's too difficult for my head even to, even to get my head around it. When you say harf style, you don't mean style as in the Qira'ah. Correct, I do not mean style as in the Qira'ah. Okay. Please can you give in your own words a sentence defining what you personally conclude harf to mean. In my opinion... The harf is a style, and style differs from one another in all of the versions that I mentioned. Differing words, differing, differing tone, different accent, different dialect, everything. The more vague, everybody, that you can make the word harf the better for you and the Muslims who hear you. The more general that you make the phrase harf, the more easier the issue is. The more you go into the details of trying to give it a specific meaning, the bigger problem you create for yourself. Where can we get hadith books from that are reliable? What is, what is that? I, are you kidding me, bro? Just six books of hadith is fine. Go on. You said Darussalam English. Oh, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah. Oh, right, in English. Darussalam, yeah, Darussalam. Darussalam, English, they've all translated is good. Is the Mus'haf compiled by Zayd ibn Thabit preserved? Yes, it is. Physically, you mean? Yes, it is. That's the one that I have the photocopy of. That's what we're going to go and see next year, inshallah, in, the, uh, in Tashkant. In Uzbekistan. When we recite the Quran, how do we know if we're reciting like the Prophet ﷺ, if it was only uh, authentically reported to have recited in one harf? No. It's not that it was only recited, it's only authentically recited, reported that he recited in one harf. There is no hadith which indicates that the Prophet ﷺ said imala, which is something very different. Yani I, yani if someone says to me, if someone said like, yani, I'm going to make a statement here, but this is a dangerous statement. But this is what I believe. Allah knows best. If you think that the Prophet ﷺ sat in front of the people like Abdul Basit al-Samad would, and he would recite Fatiha one way, and then recite Fatiha the second way, and then recite third, then he'd add the Tajweed, then he would, uh, he'd add the Imala, and he'd take out this. and That never happened from the Prophet ﷺ. Never. Not a single hadith where he recited a verse and then gave his variations. You get what I'm saying? So that never happened. What did happen is that he would recite the Qur'an normally. We don't hear him reciting or repeating. And that is what we mean by Qurashi dialect. So when a person says, how do we know? That's not the point about how do we know that ours is the exact one. Because 
they've all been accepted by the Prophet Sallallahu and that's what you've got to accept yani, as the Muslim that's of course where the fitna comes because people are going to say well which one is it and whatever don't worry about that part how do you counter the argument that Ibn Mas'ud's Mus'af was only different in regards to the order there's no doubt it was different in order we know that that's not an issue as per the hadith in Bukhari yeah 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 uh, but he didn't mention variations in text at all. There's no counter. I just gave you the hadith. Yani the, the, the hadith that uh, I mentioned in the Musadrak. This is mutawatir. There's not a scholar on the planet that doesn't accept that the riwayah of Ibn Mas'ud has mutatabi'at. That's the most famous thing. In fact, it's the only thing that we know that is different in word. So that point is, that first point, Rehan, is redundant. Could you clarify the differences in regards to the Kufiyin and Basriyin in regards to the ikhtilaf in regards to Nahu? <laughs> <laughs> That's the best question out of my life. Right, okay. We spoke about reciting only. (laughs) 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 I will never be asked a better question ever. Can you just tell us why the Kufan and Basri schools are different in Arabic? Yeah. Okay, then let me write your book. Right. So, consider this scenario. If Asr is starting in two. No, 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 that's below. Can one recite only Fatiha in one raka'ah and then Fatiha and a surah in the second? Yes, that's permissible. Asr is starting in two minutes and you need to come. These Bengalis are going to have a heart attack. They're going to come back and lesson still going on. <laughs> they're going to have a heart attack. Okay. Um, He's probably gone home. He probably has, to be honest. He's bowed out. If Asr is starting in two minutes and you need to complete one full rak'ah of Salat al-Dhuhr to catch the Salah, you would quickly perform the rak'ah with only the wajibat and then slow down. That is correct. That's absolutely correct. You would do bare bones for the first and full, complete prayer for the, for the other three. Is the Mus'haf that Uthman sent out to be copied the same one that Zayd ibn Thabit gathered? Yes, it is. Because he took the, exa- the one of... Uh, 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 Hafsa, which was the one that was done before. I wish I had enough knowledge to get the joke. No, you don't. Um, so, is your opinion similar to that of Malik? Remember that the seven are seven? No, I made that. I said that three times. I do not hold the opinion that the seven ahruf are seven recitations. I find it too convenient. I, by the way, that's a safe position to hold. It's not a very academically clever one, though. I could I could dismantle it in about five minutes. But if you want to go with it. It's a nice, easy one to keep in the heart, no major issues. But if you don't hold that opinion, you've got to have a strong head and a stronger heart because then it means that you're really opening up the door. You get what I'm saying? So that's a nice, safe one to chuck in front of the people. But to believe it as a student of knowledge, not good enough. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika. Shadu wa la ilaha illa anta wa astaghfirullahumma wa atubu alaykum. Assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.